Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson today comes from Matthew's Gospel, the 16th chapter, verses 13 to 20. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he said to them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was revealed to you not by man, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we gather for worship yet again at the beginning of another week. We come with concerns in our hearts. We come seeking your wisdom, seeking your guidance, yearning for your word and sustenance. And so during this time, O Lord, in our hour of worship, as we have lifted our petitions, we've declared our faith, as we have sung your praises, as we listen to your word read and proclaimed, let all of these elements of worship speak so deeply to our hearts that we would clearly hear who you would have us be. And then go forth from this moment, not just as hearers of your word, but as doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. Many of you know that last year this time, Mary and I took our oldest, Clara, to the airport, and we put her on an airplane so that she could study abroad in Rome. Such a blessing for her, but the coolest part about it was we went to visit her in October and saw her in a whole new light. But while we were in Rome, we all of a sudden were swamped with all of this rich history. And for me, having taken four years of Latin in Miss Hampton's classroom at Mount Tabor High School, all of that education just came flooding back. It was amazing. It made sense. And then, of course, as part of our tour, we went to the Vatican. And while we were there, the Sistine Chapel and all of that early church history that they filled our heads with in Duke Divinity School and theology, it sort of all came to life and was truly enriched. And while there in the Vatican, we went into St. Peter's Basilica, the largest church in the world, 
I mean, it dates back to the fourth century and the present structure was built in, eight, in 1506. It is immense. Let me tell you how big it is. It encompasses 5.7 acres. Think about that for a minute. A church building the size of 5.7 acres of geography. The nave, that part that you sit in on Sunday mornings, is an eighth of a mile long, 90 feet wide, larger than the red zone on an NFL stadium. Huge. And so in all of its holy grandeur, in all of its soaring architecture, in all of the Renaissance art that helped tell the story of faith, it was amazing. But what I wasn't prepared for was staring at the chancel and the realization that the altar of that church, the altar of the largest church in the world, was built right on top of the traditional burial site of St. Peter. That Jesus' words, I tell you that you are Peter and I will build my church on this rock, were literally, metaphorically, and theologically lived out right in front of me. This wave of holy emotion watched over me as I stood before that altar and realized that Peter's faith was the foundation of this whole church both the one in Rome and the universal church all around the world. In that moment, I realized that I was standing in the shade of trees that I did not plant. They were planted centuries before me. See, in our text today, Jesus does a little bit of field research. I mean, every good leader does that, except Jesus, he didn't have a Gallup poll or he couldn't pull out his smartphone and look at likes on his Facebook posting or Instagram or shares of his TikTok videos of his teaching. No, he asked his trusted lieutenants, who do the people say that I am? And they weighed their words carefully, trying not to embarrass themselves, trying to make sure that they got it right. And then he looked at them, he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter couldn't contain himself. He blurts out, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter, this foundational leader, the one who helped start the early church, who helped it grow, whose grave is the foundation of that altar in Rome, the largest church of the world, Peter began his journey on all of this by leaving the nets behind. When Jesus was on the shore of Galilee, he looked at Peter and he said, come follow me. And so Peter becomes a disciple, ultimately the bishop of Rome, planted seeds of faith which grew over the centuries into mighty pillars of grace in which all of the world would take refuge. And see, my brothers and sisters, our calling to be disciples is a calling to be just like Peter, I mean, I think of that in so many different ways. I think of this sign that I saw once that said it was sort of, it looked like a no parking sign, but you had to read it carefully. And it was three of them right on top of each other. And one of them said, if you're planning for a year, plant rice. If you're planning for 10 years, plant trees. If you're planning for 100 years, teach children. 
See, to practice faith like Peter begins to think about how we practice our faith and how we pass it on and how we share it. See, when Peter practices faith, what I love about him is he is so much like us. He was imperfect, and yet he was bold and he was tireless. And see, that's what made his approach successful. That's what made the sharing of the gospel by Peter so wonderful, and it's a model for you and for me to implement, to realize our own imperfections, to be bold in our faith, and to be tireless and relentless in practicing it. See, I love that Peter was so perfectly imperfect. I mean, he got most of the things right in his bold of expression of faith, but yet he was still very much a human. You know, as we read through the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus teaches many parables, and every once in a while, Peter is that one in the back that doesn't quite get it, and he says, explain that to me. And the rest of us are going, oh, come on, Peter, it's right in front of you. Or, but then sometimes his zeal gets the best of him. You remember in the garden when Jesus is being arrested, Peter's going to defend him and he draws his sword and he lops off the ear of the servant of Pilate because of his zeal. Peter stumbles in his faith. You remember he denied Jesus three times. And what we learn about that, what we learn about that stumbling is two things. One, that Peter is not perfect, but two, that he still received God's grace because he had the best intentions. And so as we practice our faith, as we plant seeds for the future, what makes you and I think that we have to be perfect? That we have to have all the answers, that we have to know how to do all the things we talk all the time in our staff about ideas and different ways of doing ministry. And we use this image of throwing spaghetti on a wall and we say, we're going to throw it on the wall and see what sticks. Sometimes it sticks and that's exactly what we're going to do. And sometimes it doesn't stick so well and we have to improve it. And sometimes it doesn't stick at all. But we're going to fail forward nonetheless. We're going to keep trying because that's what the gospel demands of us. The same is true, my brothers and sisters, of when we teach our children, when we grow in our faith, is that we keep learning. We keep trying. When we're teaching children and teaching each other and growing on our own, that we just keep trying. I mean, what makes us think that we won't receive grace if our heart is in the right place, even if we fail in our endeavor? Because, my brothers and sisters, if the fear of not receiving grace is what paralyzes us to inaction, then we just need to let that go. We just need to let it go because, you know, God says, I will give my grace to you. Remember, Peter denied Christ three times after he said he wouldn't do it. And he still did. And so then, after the resurrection, Jesus appears to Peter and he asks him three times. He says, Peter do you love me? And Peter says, I do. He says, Peter, do you truly love me? He says, yes, Lord, I do. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, I love you. What else do I need to do to show you? And Jesus says, go and feed my sheep. See, Jesus redeemed him. Jesus gave him grace, even in his failure to turn him loose. See, my brothers and sisters, we are human. We are imperfect, but yet at the same time, we are perfectly imperfect for the task of building God's kingdom, for the task of growing the church, 
for the task of strengthening our faith. We are perfectly imperfect, just like Peter was. And in that imperfection, what we have to remember is that Peter had a bold faith. I remember he took a lot to leave the nets. I mean, his sure career, family and everything, and yet he left the nets. He had a bold faith when he stood there in the boat in the storm and he said to Jesus, call me out on the water. He had a bold faith when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter blurts out, you are the Christ. He had a bold faith when Jesus was in the upper room washing their feet. And he says to Jesus, not just my feet, O Lord, wash my head, my hands, wash all of me, cleanse me. A bold faith to ask the impossible of God because it can be possible with God. See, following the Christ demands nothing less from us either. A boldness of spirit to swim against the tide of popularity to do what is right. A boldness to call a stop in all parts of life so that we might take time out to listen, to worship, to study, and to pray. A boldness to wrestle with the questions of faith in our society, even when we don't know the answers, but a commitment and a boldness to seek them from all different sources, from Scripture, from those that have been reading them longer, from our clergy and ministry staff, from God directly in prayer. See, a boldness of faith that says, we can prepare the kingdom for future generations. That's what God calls us to do, to roll up our sleeves and to learn, even with our imperfections, to teach and to seek. See, the joy of faith formation here in the church is that even in the best of cases, most times, most times we spend three hours of faith formation and worship and fellowship groups and Bible studies in the course of a week. Three hours. But yet at home, when we are not at work and not asleep, we have so many more hours. If you were here every week giving three hours to faith formation, that's 156 hours a year in faith formation. But at home, there's 2,900 hours available. Talk about a boldness of faith to discuss, to teach, to learn together at home. A boldness of faith to serve and to spread the gospel and to grow together much like Peter. But imperfectly bold as he was, what I love about Peter is there was no quit in him at all. He sort of served as a spokesperson for the 12. He was always the one that seemed to be asking Jesus questions, always the one that seemed to have the answers. He was also the same for the earlier church, going out and upon converting the Roman soldier Cornelius and his family, it dawned on Peter that maybe the gospel message should be spread beyond the Jews. And so he began to evangelize the whole world and then ultimately partnering with Paul to do that. Are we tireless in our practice of faith? Do we realize that there are people beyond our own lives that need to hear that gospel message of love and grace? Do we share it by the witness of our lives that the whole world might see God through us? Or do we only practice our faith on Sundays in this place? 
when we're not on the ball field or the course or the lake or the world? Do we recognize what we have and what we've received from God in our own lives and think of those around us who need to receive that gift as well? And as we name those folks in our hearts, do we begin to build relationships with them so that eventually that conversation may come up and we might invite them to sit with us and to learn with us and to grow in faith alongside us? Because that's truly what Peter did. The answer to those questions are yes, we do that. That we are planting seeds that will grow into mighty pillars of faith, providing shade for a world that is burning up and desires the coolness of God's grace. Over the last six months, we've really had a chance to examine our lives, to really pare down life to what matters the most, haven't we? I mean, I'm not talking about the busyness of life, not the detritus and clutter of life, but really the simple pleasures, those things that matter most, our relationships with each other, but more importantly, our relationship with God. More importantly, our faith in the one who loves us and who sent his son to die on the cross for us. And in that faith, we have found comfort. We have found refuge. We have found hope. We have found healing. We have found meaning for our lives. And don't we want to share that? Don't we want to share that message with the entire world? A world that is looking for hope for refuge, for meaning, for healing. Well, if we want to do that, then we've got to practice our faith much like Peter, where we recognize our own humanity, our own imperfections, but yet we're still willing to go forward and live into that. To practice it with a boldness, with a relentlessness, so that we might plant seeds, building monuments of faith that will stand the test of time to build mighty pillars that provide shade to the world for future generations. Because my brothers and sisters, we already stand in the shade of trees that we didn't plant. And how are we practicing our faith to plant seeds for future generations, to teach our children and our children's children about a God who loves us so much. Let us be a foundation for the future. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.